Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. This episode is going to be about geology. I don't know a lot about geology. I just like it because who wouldn't like rocks? I mean rocks. Rock. Rocks rock. I'm like a nerd or something. Rocks rock. But there's a lot of people who do like crystal healing work. And if you think about it, like this is the way I see it. Everything has a, a vibration. My voice is obviously oscillating, but everything in physics is oscillating. And the more densely packed the uh, particles or atoms, molecules, whatever, on whatever level, I guess on all levels maybe, ultimately everything that is arranged is arranged together and oscillates in a, in a fashion that is either very viscous and fast, as in you can pour your water out and everything is essentially apart or can move around each other and and then the less viscous you are the particles stop moving in a similar fashion they don't move around each other as much and they stay together they're or whatever they're not vibrating as slowly and there's not as much of them in one area or something so like same thing with with rocks and stuff and they also have a, a chemical composition so they're all oscillating and the effect in physics you know you could almost like there's you there's you who's made of water you know, uh, physical reality can can pour through you. You can feel the effects. I don't care who you are. Like when you're in a room, you can tell that somebody is in a bad mood when they walk in. Like you feel it. You feel it throughout your body. Like it's affecting your physical properties. Like your patterns. You know. I don't. I don't know. It would seem as though that the the way things physically, the way things are arranged, the way they move, like in a dance. Ooh, it's very mystic. But it's scientific too. I mean, it, it's everything. It's just reality. I don't know. Stop being all reductionist. Uh, you know, stop being such a nerd. I like rocks. But yeah, everything has a hardness. There's a hardness scale to everything. And not everything is the same density and hardness. And there's a chemical variation. And of course, there's a reactivity to like that that kind of physics, like a chemical chain reaction and, and stuff. Like, you know, for instance, you put water on some calcium carbonate and something about like CH3 or something, you know, will, something will react to the water like and it'll be like C CH chO4 or CH4O2 or something I don't know whatever I'm not I'm not good at that I've never even taken <laughs> I've never even taken chemistry and I really want to man do I want to know what's going on on, on a micro level more um, but I do look at pictures of like micro just micro pictures macro pictures as well telescope from telescope to microscope it's pretty fun to look at pictures like that would it be cool to understand the science it's cool to understand anything i mean there's there's a lots in life but it's just cool to bear witness and behold everything i think that's what really makes life worth it for me is i can just behold I, there's so much to behold even in um small instances in a micro instance you could still behold so much there's worlds in worlds everywhere and no i wasn't tripping at the time yeah, i was don't tell but yeah, so anyways, every rock and so forth has a different chemical composition, has a different character quality, has a different vibration, and it is arranged differently. It is structured differently. And some of these people that do kind of um, crystal healing and, and hold different rocks, I mean, if you haven't held lapis lazuli, you can't tell me that lapis lazuli doesn't kind of mess with your headspace a little bit. Like, I, I was holding lapis lazuli one time, and like just like my 
my brain was just like opening up to it was just opening up it was just opening up my 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 thoughts and i was sort of going ham with you know <laughs> different thought patterns that i hadn't spliced together and haven't you know come to realize like you know, it can open up like your brain almost like your mind and that's what they say it's like for your headspace or whatever kind of like uh, an integration of thought pattern like it's weird and i've had this like my whole body start vibrating on lapis lazuli like it's just no wonder that people um kind of you know rally around certain rocks you know and if you haven't held like um rose quartz or fluorite like fluorite will will clear your head out like it'll if you got a clutter it'll just and you'll just see things from what they are you'll see them as as they are and there'll be nothing else kind of like prodding and influencing the thing itself you'll just kind of and then any any clutter or like almost like a you ha your brain is like in this semi headache state you hold it and it'll just kind of like the wind just open it right back up like i don't know it's hard to explain but just go buy some fluoride for five bucks somewhere i don't know find it go find it outside <laughs> yeah i mean and just the fact that like there's hundreds of minerals hundreds i don't know but there's a lot of minerals and and tons of different rocks and the mineralogy you know and the chemical composition will compound and make different minerals and then you'll get you know greater conglomerates of rock that you know are composed of x y and, and z i think here where i live in the sierra nevadas the sierra nevadas just means snowy mountain nevada snowy sierra mountains so it's kind of pretty straightforward there it's dominantly what's called like a uh, granitic batholith <laughs> just this huge uh, granitic structure and granite is mostly a felsic mineral in a sense like it it doesn't have that oceanic basaltic formation which is like black but it has um, a clear white kind of quartz based structure and quartz is, is pretty hard it's it registers pretty hard on the hardness scale olivine is like really hard as well and of course diamonds are hard but also you know just quartz quartzite is is pretty is pretty hard too from the ocean to the sierra nevadas uh, up towards like tahoe region or whatever there's um like 180 million years that some of the oceanic material had made its way up to like the the foothills or like had moved its way all the way i think in auburn california i want to say it's like 180 years that it took to get all the way out past california or something and then i don't know or maybe to get to the sierra nevada range or like the base of the sierra nevada range um yeah something like that from the pacific up into the sierra nevadas or something like that at its peak just a, a lot of time geologic time just trips me out it's just like geez and like all these you know um formation you know the, the magma the magmatization or whatever of earth's material you know getting affected by different pressures and and being formed in different ways you know hitting hitting sort of like water i guess and and making its way from there there's like a theoretical order that these minerals are crystallizing uh, from from hot magma there's um, just rich in iron and magnesium followed by calcium and then a, you know some containing sodium and then potassium you know ma magnesium and so forth uh, it starts up with like olivine olivine groups are very hard and magnesium rich groups pyroxenes uh, uh, calcium rich and amphibolene groups biotites potassium rich feldspar uh, muscovite you know mica like stacked flaky kind of rock and, and then quartz 
but yeah, the plagioclase feldspar group is very common. Um, it's calcium-rich kind, sodium-rich kind, and potassium-rich kind. My favorite are the potassium-rich. Potassium's awesome. You know, you got RLS or something, or your your muscles are all cramping up. You take a potassium tab or some sodium, and it's just like, damn, you know, like the earth takes care of you. The earth, mother earth, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's so cool about it. And, you know, and there's just these fundamental elements. And if you're a geologist, you identify them and it's like you have a wealth of resource. Like when you know what the rocks are, what these rocks are, you know, the implications for health and for materials and everything are vast. And of course, we dig up, like, resources aren't infinite, you know, nothing is. You ask any geologist, they'll tell you, like, fucking 90 years into the future, we can run out of the petrol, and, you know, with oil and everything, that whole industry will be a thing of the past, like, we gotta, we gotta do something, we gotta change. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess. I'll just go ahead and believe whoever's been studying rocks for 30 years, you know? I mean, why wouldn't you You put all that time looking at rocks and understanding the science of our earth? Like, I'd give my credence to those that have. You know, I've spent a semester, but a semester is like a blip in time. That's like four to five hours a week for 16 weeks. So that's like 60 hours-ish, 60 to 70 hours maybe I spent dealing with introductory geology. And I think most of that time, it's like, you learn a lot of information, like a lot came my way, but like it's information that you just don't remember. And I'm not good at remembering all the facts and stuff, but, but indeed it gives you an appreciation for, and also just like an apprehension of like, oh, the earth processes, like I can kind of wrap my mind around the fact that this earth does its thing unto itself you know, it has its own, uh, uh, cyclic physics and like it forms under a procession of relative depth, uh, relative pressure, relative temperature. And among those gradients, you get a gradient of different kinds of rocks based on those characteristics. And I think that's so cool. So the earliest minerals to form would be the heaviest because they are underneath essentially everything else that comes after it. And it gets uh, lighter and lighter as it goes changing the structure and everything as um, the rocks proceed to flow up onto each other. And um, so the, the layers on top of the heavier ones, the, the, the darker ones are already at the bottom, and then they lighten up as they go. Typically, you'll get sort of a uh, an admixture of like a, a grayish kind of thing, like gabbro and diorite to like granite, which is like the lightest in color. It's the most felsic or whatever, uh, lightest in weight and in color. And the formation and the transference of ions through physics in time, not being disturbed by different processes in the magma, a big complication, a mess I can't tackle or tell you. I'm just speaking in some vague generalities anyway. It goes to show you, you know, what I know. But the landscape of geology, you know, has is of familiar to me in, in a certain uh, capacity, a very basic sense. But um, it, it's hard to say exactly what the procession of physics we don't necessarily see them happen under microscopes but we infer how the formation occurred and um, there's going to be a gradient of temperature a gradient of pressure a gradient of arrangement and ionization and chemistry and reactions that are, that are supposed to occur and we you can see them along like a gradient or you could kind of tell you could read it like a book almost it's like it's showing you its pages as you turn as you go along rock formations geologists can kind 
kind of unfold like kind of a story and they're telling stories and that's kind of essentially like what's happening there i'm um, not to say it's super unreliable i mean these scientists are very reliable you know science the reliablest understanding and and they know most reliably about these rocks but um but yeah it's kind of a storytelling process i guess I'm borrowing from Mary Hill's Geology of the Sierra Nevadas, and she says that uh, researchers of the Bathalist uh, analyzed potassium of uh, like uh, argon ratings of the plutons, and that there were um, separations of different gradients of rock, but altogether um, it takes like 130 million years to complete the creation of the granitic rock, knowing the scale of the amount of rock per parts you're after is definitely useful. I mean, I mean, if you look at, for example, gold mines of economic value, mining concentrations of precious metal of about one third of an ounce every one ton of rock. So just imagine a ton of rock, maybe that's two and a half square yards of just pure granite, perhaps, maybe more, and you're only finding a third of an ounce within that. And you know what an ounce of gold kind of looks like, sort of not even like a square inch. So a third of that. So it'd just be this this little chunk. And well, I mean, if if gold somewhere around nineteen hundred two thousand dollars an ounce, then a third of that would be about six fifty. So it'd be like so with all that rock in mind, you'd have to chip away and get down to that little bit, extract that, and that's about six hundred and fifty bucks. In in most rocks, like in igneous rocks, the amount of gold averages five. 10 millionths of 1%, so 0.0000005. So knowing the concentration of where to find what you're after is 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 based on the uh, the gross percentages of what what you're what you're going to find. So just the uh, parts, if you just break it down, it would just become so minuscule the amount of gold that you would find five ten millionths of one percent. If you just take one percent of something, I mean, you just like just that alone is is quite significant. But you just go into a thousandth, and then you just go down, boom, into another decimal, another decimal break it down yet again, yet again, yet again, yet again. And just, uh, yeah, so you just gotta know where the, where, where to look. You gotta know where the concentration is. So you can make a profit mining ore that only contains five cents worth of gold per cubic yard of gravel. Five cents worth of gold, about one eight hundred of an ounce per yard. So you'd get about one ounce every 800 yards or it roughly comes out to about one part of 32 million parts. It's just a, a rarity. It's just such a needle in a haystack. To, to be able to go through that is just insane. So the Sierra Nevada is one of the favorite regions and where the gold rush is. Uh, a bonanza region is what they call it. During like the Mesozoic era, when a lot of the um, gold veins were formed, this uh, metamorphose of once the uh, lesser rock appeared, the more felsic rock, the hard metamorphosis occurred and heavy pressure started to form on these granitic structures. And then they think that um, the conditions were right where joints were formed and, and split and veins would appear where you're able to, um, uh, certain chemical transactions were able to appear throughout veins and I guess the conditions were right where like they would wedge they would get you know warm hot warm hot and then maybe some sort of igneous magmatization of some sort within a gap or 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 something like this um, or, the, or water steam would shoot through and then enough chemical process
processes occurred where whole veins would would form and you'd get these different kinds of metals, one of them being gold. In the region in which I grew up, um, between Sacramento and Reno or Sacramento and Tahoe region, kind of the central, northern central kind of area below Lassen, if you could imagine, if you have a map or whatever, you can see this. This is where I kind of live. And um, Rockland, California, Rockland, of course, has lots of uh, quartz and feldspar. And a lot of the uh, buildings in San Francisco were utilized from the quarry uh, in Rockland. Namely, there's also um, Raymond Quarry. And in Sacramento, in the capital, uh, there there's a commercial granite used from the uh, Penryn from the uh, Penryn mine, Griffith Quarry. They used uh, granite from Rockland and Penryn, Sacramento City Hall, from cathedrals in San Francisco. And also there was uh, the Federal Reserve Bank contains uh, seer and granite. And I think that was from the Los Angeles Quarry in the Peninsula and the Traverse Ranges. But yeah, granite has a, a lot of stakes in the game in terms of where to find gold. Um, gold ore forms a lot within granite, and it's during the cooling of uh, granitic magma and hot waters and gases uh, steaming through these crevasses upward. They say that um, it's penetrating through joints and fractures, leaving evidence of the passage and the formation between these like fault breaks, mineralizing solutions uh, left in veins. They call them vugs or like these holes filled with ore-bearing minerals. Uh, metal is shot through the rock from either side of these fractures. So these ore-bearing solutions are not, uh, says that these ore-bearing solutions were not particular as to what sort of rock they left gold deposits within. Nearly all of the old metamorphic rock types contain gold deposits somewhere in the Sierra and gold country. Experienced miners are able to tell you within Sierra County that they claim that they can tell where there is, quote, live quartz or dead quartz. And it's just simply by color. The live quartz is much more milky and less lustrous. I guess with luster, it's, it's more like shiny, but it's just more of a, a dull, a dull kind of, which would be kind of counterintuitive. You'd expect like shininess, but it's, it's actually the dull, the dull rock, milkier, no luster, no shine, sparkle. So yeah, it's counterintuitive. And there's a hint there. If you want to blow up a rock, don't do it. Don't mind. Don't do anything. Just stay at home or go look at rocks. Just appreciate. Don't do anything stupid and go look for milky granite instead of the shiny stuff. Okay, that was just a disclaimer, sorry. But how far do these veins go? They say that judging by chemical and physical evidence that they were formed deep within the earth, probably more than 10,000 feet. So that's almost like two miles. What else to look for in identifying where veins are is peridotite groups and many mineral deposits that are related to serpentine as well and copperopolis. Chromite deposits where chrome is derived can be scattered and found all through there. Idocrase, green mica, mariposite are all riddled throughout that. They say Chinese miners uh, were we're looking at these veins and we're, we're mining, but they they were looking for jade. They valued jade a lot more highly than gold, so they simply mined and, and did not tell. Also, minarets in the in the high steep portions of of the metamorphized igneous rock, which uh, is magnetic magnet it has and the ore is a magnetite. They say that there's evidence of deposits of ores of tons of metals that are derived from hot mineral waters coming directly from hot springs, modern hot springs, as well as ancient ones. They say deposit mercury, sulfur, and even gold as they bubble out on the surface of the earth. There is the largest tungsten mine in the world in the Sierras up Pine Creek out of Bishops about 11,000 feet high. Polybdenum 
and tungsten are used for hardening steel. We also find a mix of garnets. Garnets are like a pale reddish brown rock and it's sold as as an abrasive, but it doesn't have necessarily like gem quality. And there's some of these like abandoned mines and you can visit, but if you go in them, you're going to run the risk of a breathing in poisonous dust or also that they're not all all caved in or something or that you can't cause a disturbance. You just never know, so stay the hell away. But some of the, the greatest uh, mines have existed. There's the Kennedy Mine near Jackson, which is about 20 miles east of Sacramento, something like that, near, near Calaveras County, which is sort of where the fault lines dominantly exist on the base of the Sierras. It was one of the biggest mines, um, aside from Homestake and South South Dakota, which is much more deeper nowadays. But the gold production within the, the Kennedy Mine and at Argonaut. There was, in 1922, uh, Argonaut caught fire, killing 47 miners. 47 49ers is your dark joke. The whole shift was wiped out, and the mine had to close down. And during World War II, I think the mine mine shut down, but ultimately it was destroyed. But the mine produced about, by today's value, $50 billion worth of gold just within that one mine. You imagine 50, 50 workers or so roughly are are carrying out an outfit that is generating just billions upon billions of dollars it's almost like you know these people aren't getting paid that much but they're essentially producing a billion dollars per head incredible um back then i think an ounce was like 20 bucks but but since now there's roughly oh it's almost 1900 to 2000 dollars a troy ounce so if you you imagine 2500 25 million ounces of gold getting pumped out multiplied by roughly two thousand dollars you're gonna get 50 billion it's just pretty amazing and there, there's lots of stories like because sometimes i visit nevada city which is outside of grass valley and grass valley area nevada city you have the empire mine and that has the longest about 400 miles that's like from it's like going from sacramento almost down to to san diego or something near the border it is almost half like california more than half of california the length of you could imagine that that's the amount of tunneling and the 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 sheer incredible depth and length and intricacy of where all these different mines were and it was very intricate to try to get out of these mines required a lot a lot a lot and a lot of people put their lives on the line there's there's tons of people people who died from Empire Mine. I don't have numbers on that, but a significant amount of people died. And having 400 miles of total mine, I mean, you're digging out, then you're going down, then you're digging out and going down, out and down, and you're running these roads, these underground sort of tunnels uh, parallel with each other, hopefully not on top of one another to not have a collapse. But ultimately, you're expanding and moving your mine and tunneling and creating this elaborate set of, of tunnels. And it's hard to kind of regulate where those tunnels go. It's hard to keep your direction on on where you're digging and everything so it was extremely dangerous but there was tons of money to be made and i think that was kind of the handle so right by where i live the greatest capacity to gain minerals and gain gold what was happening no more than 200 years ago just an immense cash in and an immense extraction of material wealth it just this area is just sitting on all kinds of gold and it's fascinating but yeah it that's a wonder of the world i don't know why empire mine hasn't been more of a, a thorough more under a thorough examination 
or or just um, to be beheld more often, like within communities, in American culture, within our education system. I'm just surprised that the sheer might of the Empire Mine here in Grass Valley hasn't been looked at as much. But I live right by a wonder. I'm about 20 miles from Empire Mine where I live. It's, it's definitely a, a mining town to say the least. But just to get an appreciation for that, yeah, just imagine traveling half the length of the entire state of California and you could look at the distance there imagine a mile of, of digging and you're just going to get a, a massive perspective on just how far reaching and how much effort it must took to create that. That is that is an incredible human pursuit. And these pursuits are, are interesting to say the least how we're, we're going after metal like this. Like rocks have power. I mean, we definitely have a will to gain power. Like we always want to like apprehend things and like bend nature into our will. And we're like obsessed with wealth and we're obsessed with these rocks and and things. It's weird. It's almost like an inanimate sort of dead thing, but rocks resonate. Rocks resonate on a level. They say that uh, gold, when you when you wear it, will create an effect. I mean, the last step in the alchemical process is to gain philosophical gold, where you are in a state of being where there's no loose, loose ends. You've gone through and dug out all the parts of yourself and have fully realized the truth and are embodying it in your, into your being and are shining it at will. So you've gained like the maximal exposure of spiritual health. And hey, maybe that's kind of the point. I don't know. But it's very interesting to say the least that our culture really is really into it in that way. And I think people have caught hold of and different cultures value maybe different rocks like the Chinese were after the jade, you know, and we're very heavily after the gold and so forth. But I think ultimately these just have a universal effect because we're all matter. So culture aside, it's like we're just after these these raw materials. And I have rocks myself, but Mainly I focus on copper. I just think of conductivity and maybe silver. Yeah, Quicksilver would be the Sagittarian mind, reintegration, a fast fast thinking, fast mind, change of, change of uh, identity and mentation and everything, but also lapis lazuli to open up my, my intuition and, and just my higher perspectives. Citrines, they're supposed to bring good luck. And of course, my view on luck is just you're, you're willing to tune into possibilities so that opportunities may unfold for you uh, in a nice way. I guess catching, catching luck at the 11th hour, maybe someone's looking out for you. Maybe just it's good karma. But, but ultimately, I think if you're optimistic and everything, you tend to open up your sense, you're more open to suggestion and possibility and, and suggest, suggestibility to opportunity will just kind of come your way because you're just looking in the right place and then bam, it just happens. You just kind of like manifest it into being and then fluorite is just really good for clearing out your head and just getting real clear on your thoughts and, and nailing those down, having clarity. But you know, rocks, yeah, I'm, I'm really into rocks. The rocks are just a beautiful thing. You know, we're on this giant geologic thing, this geologic being itself and it has its own way of life. Uh, people think that rocks are a lot of just kind of junk to kick around, but to say the least, I live with rocks and see it within endearment. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed this geology. I had to open up the book a little more. I think I'm going to do an, another episode probably down the line and just um, explore more into the effects of, of certain rocks and maybe gain more of a spiritual expect, uh, perspective there. Or, you know, And even just talk about the geologic, maybe just interesting geologic facts. All right, see you later.